0: Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode because it is time to drop in. Welcome back to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Today, I have an extra special guest because this is somebody who has helped me in my personal life. Teresa Barnea has been seeing and communicating with Spirit since she was a child. However, she was not in touch with acknowledging and using her gift until she recently reconnected with her mediumship abilities as an adult. Teresa utilizes her gift to offer healing through individual sessions and group readings, as well as energy cleansing sessions. She can connect you with past loved ones, animals, deities, guides, and ascended spirits. These powerful beings provide you with affirmation, compassion, guidance, and a sense of peace. As I said, I personally connected with Teresa after my dad passed away suddenly a little over a year ago. I have learned a lot from following her on social media and also hearing her speak at last year's Selfish Philly Conference put on by the Wellness Collective. Teresa has a lot to share with us on the topic of both answering the call to live your truth, as well as being a leader to herself and others in both personal and professional settings. So Teresa, I obviously know a bit about your story because I've been in connection with you for quite some time. But for the people just getting to know you, Can you share a little bit about where things started for you, where things started
1: to shift and how that landed you to where you're at? Yes, I would love to. Um, So as you mentioned, when I was a child, I saw spirit, I could hear them. um, And it really scared me a lot uh, because I didn't really know what to do with it. And um, my family was always very accepting of it. My mom always encouraged it, which was really nice because I know there are a lot of people out there that don't have that um and get labeled a lot of different things like potentially schizophrenic or manic um so i feel very grateful that i had the opportunity to explore that but i was i didn't really know what to do with it in sort of the parameters of the world that i lived in so it was one of those things that i just kind of shelved and you know some people knew about it some people didn't know about it and um kind of continued my life as most people do you know go to college i went to grad school um, built, started building a career, having kids. Um, and, um, 2020 was a pivotal year for me, I think like for most people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it was a huge point in time where I really reframed a lot of my life and I'm very, very close to my family not distance wise, I wasn't, but um, very close to my family in activities, spending vacations together, visiting all the time. And 2020 was really difficult because I didn't have the opportunity to be with family. And that really was very difficult for me. And I think like a lot of most people, I experienced extreme anxiety, depression, um, a lot of different things. And it really put in perspective what was important. And for me, being close to family and spending time with with my family and those that I love the most, besides my kids and my husband, um, you know, my extended family was really important. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing? You know, I live four hundred miles away from everyone that I'm closest to um, outside of my immediate family, and it could all be gone in a heartbeat. You know, I think that was sort of the realization with COVID in 2020 is like it could be gone in a heartbeat and what am I doing wasting my time? I've been talking about moving, you know, and sort of like reestablishing our family in another place and it was like 20 then 2021 we were just turned a corner and I told my husband I said I can't do this anymore. We I need to be closer to family. It's been too hard. Um and we made the decision to um sell our house. In early 2021, and moved closer to family. So, I moved from Northern California to Southern California with my family. And in the process of that, of selling our house and living in an apartment, we lived in many places until we landed at our final house. So, that was really fun um, with sarcasm. Um, I sort of had like this just general awakening. And I, um, in March of 2021, February and March, I experienced extreme anxiety to the point that, um, I started taking anxiety medication, which I'm still on. I'm a, I'm a fan of anxiety medication for anybody out there. I think it, it, for, you know, for the right people, it works really well. Uh, I had was having panic attacks. I was feeling extremely overwhelmed. Um, and I just didn't know where it's coming from. And then we decided to sell our house. So I started medication and really started to dive into a lot about where this is coming from. Um, and during that whole process, I uh, discovered TikTok in 2021. So maybe a little bit late to the game, but um, I also- It was have 2020 set... for me. I don't think okay. I would made
0: it with quarantine. Yeah. Quarantine I,
1: about... I admittedly have to set some pretty strict boundaries for myself around TikTok because um, I love like the 30 seconds, everything changes. No,
0: anyways, I know. I'm with you. I, actually, yes. I, get, I get while I drink my coffee in the morning and then we're done. And yes. I hate drinking cold
1: coffee. So that actually like <laughs> you're all to do it then. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um and as on TikTok, I found someone named Danielle Massey, who is the founder of Selfish Valley Conference, which Amber mentioned earlier. And um just by happenstance found her and I did a past life regression with her. And during that session, I was absolutely blown away about the things that I saw and felt. And she offered a course called Create Your Light Academy, which is about diving into your shadow and past lives and um, really healing a lot of um, either present or past life trauma. And that was absolutely eye opening for me within the first session. I was absolutely blown away. Um, it's small group setting meditation, and I was absolutely blown away about the things that I could see within my shadow and that I didn't know were there. And my gifts of mediumship just turned on. And I jokingly say it was like I flipped a light switch and it didn't have a dimmer. Uh so (laughs) the hard part is when you turn on your mediumship and dead people start talking to you, if you don't have a dimmer switch, it can be extremely overwhelming. Um, so I learned a lot about boundary setting, but that's really where it started for me. And I realized that this was a calling for me and a passion for me. I've had extreme support from my family. Like I cannot say enough how powerful it is to have support from your significant other. My husband has been amazing in this. I actually, I
0: met your husband. Yes, you did. She was like
1: literally your number one fan watching face <laughs> while you were speaking. I was like, hashtag oh. goal. <laughs> Yes, he's been amazing through all of this, which I know can scare some people when you're like, hey, by the way, my life calling is to talk to dead people. Um, he has been so power, so wonderful through this. So my kids have been incredibly um, supportive. My kids are also very gifted themselves. So it's been really nice to encourage them to explore those gifts, teach them how to boundary set. I also come from a lineage of very spiritual, powerful women who are mediums themselves. So I've had a ton of family support in this and no shame, no guilt, um, nothing I'm, I'm Catholic. My kids go to Catholic school, but I've really found a way that makes sense, you know, whether in my head, how you can call it irrationalized or whatever, what makes sense with embracing, uh, my faith as, as well as my mediumship abilities. And with that, just kind of open the doors. Um, and decided that this was my calling and this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people heal through mediumship. And it's really evolved over the last about year and a half of things I wanted to do, um, which we can totally get into more um, from doing just direct readings to now working on mentorship and retreat retreats as well. in, in sort of folding in my professional life with my passion which is mediumship. So I also work a very corporate job. I'm um, the director of integrated business planning for a medical device company, and I've been there for 13 years. Um, So I work in a very male-dominated organization. Um, There's a lot of masculine energy. And so I'm learning how to sort of play in both sandboxes and the combination of that and, and realizing how powerful it is to bring intuition into the traditional workspace. And that's really sort of my objective now moving forward is how how I transition intuition, whether it be mediumship or Reiki or psychotherapy into uh, the traditional workplace and help people elevate and heal from there. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's actually when I asked you if you wanted to be a guest on the podcast, I had no idea how incredibly aligned this conversation was for this platform specifically. Yeah. Uh, Because a lot of what we're here to talk about is how to bring that ethical, integrated, aligned, integrous piece into whatever work it is that you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you're in a corporate setting, if you are a stay-at-home parent, it absolutely doesn't matter. You can have intention and leadership in all aspects of life. And I think a lot of that comes from being able to, first of all, know yourself and know yourself really well and take ownership, and then also to be able to have balanced energies. And you did kind of touch a little bit on that in terms of, you know, a lot of times we see maybe like spirituality and intuition as a little bit more of a feminine energy. And again, we're talking about this in terms of energy signatures, not in terms of gender roles at all. Um, And then we see more like, you know, business structure, like you know, money, like all those kind of things, as more like masculine energies. Mm-hmm. And when we're kind of over on one side versus the other side, and things aren't very balanced and they're very off balance, that's oftentimes when people do find themselves living in a space that doesn't feel very good. So, what has bringing that balance into your life look like?
1: Yeah, and I completely agree that these things should not be binary. Um, you know, they should you should, they should be connected and really bringing some of that, as you said, like masculine and feminine energy together, regardless of gender or sex, um, bringing that energy together. So for me, I've always um, considered myself to be a great leader of people. And I'm very in tune with my team. um, And I just chalked it up to being a really good listener. And Mm. I realized as I've sort of progressed in my mediumship, I was actually reading people I was giving them a mediumship reading without realizing it and was able to really tap into the things that they needed or how they were feeling without even knowing. And coming upon that realization has made me sort of understand that you can do both of those things, right? You can be a great leader at home, at work, at school, um, while still using your intuition because ultimately the more you connect with people, uh, the better you are. At understanding them, and so it's really been that that combo of coming to terms with, with maybe unintentionally reading people, and how powerful it can be in building teams and um, and cooperating together, and showing people in the workplace that it's okay to be vulnerable. I think this is my biggest, really my biggest takeaway from all of this is that telling people that I'm an intuitive is being vulnerable and being vulnerable in the workplace allows other people to be vulnerable as well. And we all have lives outside of work and school and you know, even home uh, that they should really be integrated into our workplace because that's who we really want to show up as. And so I've been kind of on this journey about showing up as my true self in the work environment and encouraging the people around me to do that. Mm -hmm.
0: And I really feel like that is true leadership, because the people who are listening to this are going to hear me say time and time again, that one of my primary definitions of leadership is somebody who is willing to go first, is a big Mm -hmm. piece of it. And the other piece that I kind of want to circle back to is the realization that you were actually using a little bit of like extra gift, if you will, without realizing it, I Mm -hmm. actually had a very similar experience where I thought that I was just like a really freaking good therapist. (laughs) Here I had been channeling for people, like
1: people would be
0: sharing things with me and I'd be like, oh yeah. And that's because, you know, when you were a child, this thing happened with, you know, your parent and that makes complete sense. And they're like, I never told you about that. Right. you must have you must have said something and they're like I'm pretty sure I would have remembered like I didn't say anything about that or you know they would be saying something and I'm like yes that actually makes sense and then it's like I would give this metaphor that made complete sense to them but made no sense to me like yeah. I one time talked to somebody about like soccer I had no idea that they had played soccer like throughout their entire life know next to nothing about soccer um, and I was like yeah it's like in soccer when blah 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 and they're like oh my gosh like that really helped that like click for me and I'm like what the heck and now I realize it's spirit talking to me yes, in a metaphor in a way that somebody yes. else is going to get the message in a way that's going to make sense for them so for the longest time I like my ego was like very happy with this I was like I'm just so good at being a therapist I can like basically predict people's futures pretty much um, and then I too went through Create Your Light Academy and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I can channel things. And that's where this is coming from. Um, so now I'm a lot more active <laughs> about it. And I think it's really interesting that you shared that piece of it because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this that are like, oh my gosh, like maybe I have a gift. Maybe there's something else going on here. Because even if it's not necessarily this type of gift where you have the ability to channel or you're a medium or something like that, we kind of pick up gifts throughout our life. Even somebody who grows up in a home where their parents might be a little unstable and unpredictable, they're going to be really good at reading people because they have to learn how to do that. We all kind of bring these extra special gifts into our relationship. And in being able to be transparent about those gifts we can create better relationships with other people. And I think that goes back to the point of being open and honest and vulnerable and creating that psychological and emotional safety. Because traditionally it was like work home as like how you showed up as a worker was how you showed up as a worker. And what was whatever was going on in your life outside of that, like was not welcome in the workplace. But especially with so many of us working from home, so many of us kind of working 24-7 for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, everything's kind <clears throat> of, uh, you know, in social media too, like things are pretty mishmashed together. So on the topic of creating that psychological and emotional safety in the workspace, what unique approaches do you have to
1: offer? I am a, an open book. So I really tell people all about myself. And I'll caveat this. I haven't told everybody at work that I'm a medium. So that is, that is part of my journey. I am also on some people know, but not everybody. So that's part of my journey. I'm also on, um, I try to just be really open and vulnerable and I've always shared my own stories or my own history as a way to connect, um, with people. And I think it's just asking a lot of questions and being really open. When you ask those questions, it's okay to ask somebody, oh, well, you know, how was your weekend? did anything happen? Or I saw that you're a little bit down today. Uh, Is everything okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? And for people that aren't comfortable having those conversations, it's probably because other people don't have those conversations with them, right? That wasn't really accepted. So my goal is to really accept in the workplace, those types of conversations. Um, And it starts with leading first. So I think uh, really sharing Uh, starting by opening and sharing about yourself allows people to become open as well. And there should be no boundaries in the workplace to share about your life because you ultimately bring your work home, right? So why wouldn't you bring your personal into work? And I think the point about working from home is really, really shifted things a lot, especially in traditional work environments. I mean, I remember in COVID, I had kids running around the background with my camera on, I'm helping with homework. Like there's There was no choice but to bring your personal life into your workplace because you were in someone's home. That's really shifted the environment a lot. And I think there's a greater acceptance for that. So it's a lot easier for people to step into that place now versus before uh, because there's more acceptance of it. And a lot of more people are working from home. I work completely from home. So people still to this day are seeing sometimes kids in the background or dogs or whatever, So that shouldn't change. And I know we don't all work in a work from home environment, but sort of the the collective has changed and their thought process around bringing your personal life into home. And I just encourage people to really lean into that uh, because it makes you happier in the workplace as well. It's not just, you know, becoming a better leader, but I'm genuinely more happy as well when I share things about myself in the workplace and I can really be who I am.
0: Hmm. So I'm going to ask you a little bit of a a tough question, maybe not a tough question for you, but I, I know that there are a lot of people who probably are listening to this and being like, okay, that sounds great because you're, you know, creating this amazing culture at your workplace, yes. Teresa, but the culture in my workplace is that like, we're here to show up, we're here to get a job done, like... God forbid, I ask for additional time because I have a mm. kid homesick or like, you know, it's going to be punished or, you know, if I share something personal, it's going to be used against me. And I would love to bring my whole self and I would definitely feel happier if I could bring my whole self and still feel valued as a human being. But
1: that's not what's going on here. Yeah, uh, I am very fortunate to work in a, in a workplace that is not that, I will say. Um but people do. So it's a couple things, either, like you said, you can be the first and you can lead, right? Or is that not the right work environment? And we don't always have options to change jobs. That's not, you know, that's not going to be for everybody. So it's not always an option to leave that work environment. Um, But if you can and find something that fits culturally better you know, a better culture of a company for you. And I absolutely encourage that. Nobody should feel like they have to stay in a job that, that doesn't make them happy, but we don't always have those options. Um, being the first can be difficult. Opening up and leaning into that can be really difficult. Um, so, in uh, you know, having a safe space to do that, is there one individual in the work environment that is a safe space for you that you can't do that? So you can just start with one. The other thing is to have maybe some candid conversations about company culture and investing in or becoming a part of improving company culture or establishing company culture period, right? There are many, many organizations that don't have a company culture guidance, mission values type of, of, of document or um, direction. That's incredibly important. So, you know, being a change agent and asking to step into that role and helping to develop mission vision, um, uh, company cultures, things like that. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, who's your ally in your workplace to do that? If you don't have an ally in your workplace, who on the, in all of the social media world, can you tap into? This is a perfect example, right? There are people that would be willing to have conversations, um, either like mentorship or just side conversations, coaching, et cetera, that can really help. But there's a ton of information available on shifting this in the workplace for free available. TikTok is a huge resource. I find all kinds of great work stuff on TikTok. So it's an amazing resource, Instagram, Facebook, um, but you're not alone in doing this. I think that's the the biggest part is that a lot of people want to shift and be in that place where it's healthy and they can have those conversations. And my and like i'm going to go back to finding that ally. you know it's not the person that you talk crap with about your boss, right? that's that's not, that's a separate thing. Um, finding an ally in within your organization that also wants to make that shift so you don't feel like you have to do it by yourself. and i can guarantee you there's one other person there. may not be somebody you expect or somebody that you've maybe conversed with regularly, but there's somebody else there that also wants to make that shift. and we have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So if you can't leave the organization, how do you fix the organization and feel empowered to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I what I really go back to too is when I put like my business hat on, leaders want to know the bottom line. Right? So if you talk to a leader about how creating a mission vision company culture is going to increase the your profit, your profitability and your bottom line, mm-hmm. that's a conversation they're willing to listen to. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have examples from your workplace go to the internet, it all exists. Everything exists about diverse workplaces, engaged employees, Gallup is a great, we partner a lot with Gallup at the organization I'm at. Gallup is an incredibly effective uh, tool that you can use and it's all free, all the data is free. So if you come forward with data talking about how being vulnerable and creating that culture in the workplace actually benefits the bottom line, the conversation shifts.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. And sometimes, you know, you are going to have to be the person if you feel strongly enough about something to lead simply by going first and doing what it is within your scope to be able to do. And preparing to do that, I think that, you know, I've definitely been a disruptor many, Mm -hmm. many, many times Mm -hmm. in my life. Um. It's not necessarily something I quite recognized in the beginning because I just always thought that I was, you know, I was always the problem. I was always the one that, like, couldn't quite fit in. I was always the one that, you know, was having problems with teachers or instructors or whoever. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, if I felt like something was not ethical, if I felt like something was not right, if I felt like I wasn't being treated well, if I felt like somebody else wasn't being treated well, I didn't know how to not stand up and say something about it. And it was something that caused me a lot of uh, anxiety, depression, strife, until I went through a lot of my own work so that I could not take other people's reactions and responses to me personally. And this doesn't mean that I go through the world, you know, like the, uh, like the animation of Tasmanian devil where, yeah, I'm just going around and I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, total you destruction stuff, right? <laughs> like you deal with your shit. I'll deal with my shit. Like that, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm still very much like aware and, uh, conscious of my impact on other people, yeah. but I don't take people's reactions or responses to me personally. I feel like that is maybe one of the single most important tools if somebody's looking at being a change maker, looking at being a leader, looking at going first. And so in your own journey, what has helped you to be able to have a little bit more of a conversation with your ego, be able to not take things as personally, to be able to um, maybe transmute some uncomfortable emotions when they come up and walk through this journey? Because it's not easy.
1: Yeah. I also am very similar to that sort of, sort of stirring the pot on a lot of things. If something didn't make sense to me, I was going to call it out. I was going to try to change it. Um, and I I, I I burned bridges. I'm not going to say that I haven't. I've absolutely burned bridges doing that sort of thing, standing up for what was right, what was, what was ethical, what was best for the business and the people. I absolutely burned bridges. But I had an ally, right? At the end of the day, I had someone who was going to have my back and that was the most important thing. And, um, always had someone to lean back to that was going to support me or have my back through part of this. And I used to, I really did use to take things very personally. Um, and then I started just really understanding the concept that of assuming good intent If I just always step forward and say, I'm going to assume good intent by this individual or this function, that they're not here trying to hurt someone or do something unethical, what they think they're doing is best for the business. So I'm going to assume they're just trying to do what's best for the business, not realizing that it's harming other people, myself or the ethics of the organization. And I think that's really when I've been, I was able to kind of step back and you can call it compartmentalizing, you know, that sort of thing that it's not the individual and the individual's, um, anger towards me. It's that they really are trying to do what's best for the business, just as I am. And we're getting there in with two different, in two different means. Um, and so trying to understand that and maybe stepping into somebody else's perspective has been really important. And then I'll tell you really stepping into my sole purpose and you don't find your sole purpose on like overnight. Okay. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it that it's like really easy to do. I am 41 years old and it took me almost 40 years to finally feel like I knew what I was doing with my life, which is funny because I'm like, well, I wasted all this time, Um, but all in divine timing, as I like to say. So I think becoming really comfortable with myself, knowing myself really well, being true to myself, accepting things about myself that maybe I didn't like, or that didn't sort of fit in with what society was telling me was appropriate because you know, being a very um, outspoken woman in a workplace is also very challenging and just being comfortable with that. So I think the, you know, first it's assuming good intent uh, and that it's not personal that each of us are just trying to do that. And then just really becoming comfortable with myself and who I am. And maybe that's the journey of like turning 40. I hear a lot of women say that in their forties, just like no F's given sort of thing. I don't know if we, we can say that. We can, we can.
0: We have an explicit rating because I, Great. I have a mouth like a sailor, and uh, <laughs> yes, we were, it was going to be too hard, Dad. To so,
1: <laughs> me too, and uh, definitely comes through in the work environment, right? Everybody knows I'm the girl that drops the f bombs. I don't do it in large meetings, but I do do it individually. Um, so you just are authentically really
0: authentically express. Yes,
1: yes, stepping in my forward in my authentic self. So I think that's that's just part of it. Is um, no longer you know feeling like somebody was doing something that was a personal attack. Attack is just really understanding that they think they're doing what's best for them and what's best for the business and trying to understand that because they disagree with me. I disagree with them. Um, but I've never wavered in my feelings of ethics, never, ever wavered. And it has cost me relationships, it has cost me jobs, but that's okay because I wasn't meant to be there in the first place. Um, mm. yeah. yeah. And
0: so. One thing I know from working with you as a mediumship client um, is that you kind of have that validation to know that the way that we feel, see, experience things as human beings changes a lot when we yes. shed the whole body and so I'm curious if that has any impact on how
1: hard or easy it is for you to assume good intent. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So part of being a medium is that I see a lot of things, right? Um, so I, I sometimes I'll put on my boundaries and and not, you know, channel or read into someone. But sometimes I just can't help it, and I know that maybe that person isn't doing things correctly and that, and it's an opportunity or ethically as I would like to do it. It's an opportunity to step away from that person. Um, and say my piece and sort of let's, I, I really like let the chips fall as they will and, and kind of step away from that. Um, but not everybody has the opportunity to do that, right? We all have gifts. I say, I will say this over and over. We all have gifts and our gifts are different, but everyone has a gift. And if you are questioning it, you have a gift. Um, it's just different for everybody. And I think sort of shedding that, that sort of like physical body piece and stepping into the soul body piece was hard because not only did I go through this soul shift, I went, I actually went through a physical body shift, physical body shift. Um, I developed an autoimmune disease after what well, probably had one, but diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, um, started going into perimenopause. So hey, everybody, super fun, I take hormones, um, and gained 60 pounds in the course of a year. So I stepped into this place where I felt really comfortable with myself, with myself simultaneously destroying everything I knew about myself. Um, and that's a real fuck, real mindfuck. Um, and it was almost like this thing where I was like, I just have to go through this process, right? I have to go through this um this physical process. Now that I've stepped into this mental place and this soul place, I have to go through this physical process and change. And it question it made me question a lot of things. And it's it's similar in the workplace, right? Like if you're starting to shift your mentality, you're probably not going to be associating with other people. That's a physical shift, right? You're distancing yourself, potentially distancing yourself from people. And that's a shift. And people are going to ask questions and why, what's going on? We don't hang out anymore, that sort of thing. That's okay accepting that about yourself and setting those boundaries and shifting that's okay and it is really really hard to do that and i'll tell you it was really hard for me to accept myself at 60 pounds heavier i'm back on my now that i've been diagnosed and i'm on medication um back to getting back to myself but that was really difficult for me i'm like god i'm finally feel here i'm, I'm my sole purpose and then like i don't even recognize recognize myself like when i look in the mirror who am i and i think people will experience that even if they don't Get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and gain a bunch of weight. They're going to say, "Who I am at work is not who I used to be," and that's okay because you're showing up as your authentic self.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think whether it is n- being able to have that level of alignment between your work self and you know who you are outside of the workplace or even just as a person and how you're showing up sometimes that can be how you're shifting in terms of your relationship with your family members right a lot yeah. of us are kind of assigned a role if you will by our family of origin yeah. and then as we go through you know whether you want to call it like an awakening or you know answering mm-hmm. the calling to live your your truth however you want to kind of label this journey a lot of times, you're going to find that the narratives that you were given are not actually in alignment with your core truth and who you are and what you're here to do um, and what that fully expressed version of yourself looks like, sounds like, acts like. And that's where we come up against one of our spheres fears as human beings, which is rejection, right? Like we yes. reject rejection, we hate abandonment. That triggers like all sorts of oh. very visceral things in us because. We want to be accepted. We want to be taken care of. We don't want to be left out in the cold to starve, right? Because that's literally right. what our body thinks is going to happen if, gosh, you know, we're, we're rejected by whoever, whatever. Mm. Um, so biologically, we definitely don't want to be rejected. But a lot of stepping into our truth does come with the fact that a lot of people are going to say, no, thank you. Um, and yeah. especially the people who really were aligned with that past version of you oftentimes those are going to be the people who find it the most difficult to accept this Mm -hmm. newest version of you.
1: Yeah. And I want to say you probably didn't want to be with that person anyways, right? If they can't accept who you are in your in your truest form, you probably shouldn't have been their friend, their lover, their coworker in the first place. Um, They were holding you back from what you should really, who you should really be and who you identify with. Um, And, I've also found through this process of being true to myself is I've built deeper relationships with people and people are shockingly accepting of it. And when I say it, you go to like my exercise class and talking to somebody and we talk about me being a medium, they're like, wow, that's so cool. You know, I don't know, maybe a hundred years ago they would have sent me to the loony bin, which they pro- which they did. I've seen a past. a hundred years it. before that, you would have been burning on a stake somewhere. Right. So. right. I've seen it all. I've seen it all in my past lives. So I've been in the loony bin, yes. I've been burning at the stake. I've seen it all. But we're not there. We're, that's not the world we live in today. And the more we can step forward with that, the more we raise that the collective and that understanding. Um, and I do think people will be shocked at how accepting other people are. When you step forward to your true self and whatever that may be, if you um, all the, are scared to be transgender in the workplace, what if you did it, what would happen, right? Um, obviously, safety is an important thing. You want to feel that your, your physical safety is an important thing, something like that. But I think people would be surprised at how accepting people are because a piece of them is also there, mm. right? They also see that in themselves and they want to have that sort of freedom as well. Mm.
0: Yeah. And that's where another piece of being a leader, in my opinion, is being a permission giver, right? Being that person to go first to give that permission. And also recognizing that if somebody is going to reject you simply because you are living out that fullest expression of yourself, it has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. And a lot of that is because for whatever reason, they don't feel like they're able to. And they're resentful of the fact that you're doing something that they themselves wish that they Mm -hmm. could do. Um, And again, that goes back to doing the work to be able to not take on other people's reactions or responses to you in any type of personal way. As long as you are, you know, being in integrity, you know that you have, you know, good intentions. Um, Your intentions are not to harm anyone if someone else is receiving that in a way that they're rejecting you or they want to abandon you or they're trying to make you feel bad for something you know you're not doing to cause any type of distress to another person, um, Mm -hmm. then that's where you kind of have to ground in your truth and let those people go
1: because they're in a narrative that isn't congruent with where you're at and where you're going. Yep. A hundred percent. And if it triggers them, that's not your fault, right? Go to therapy. Like I, I yell this a lot in the car. Actually, I'm like, go to therapy. Um, it's not your fault. I sure you don't live in them- that sounds like something, <laughs> something <laughs> Philly drivers. Yeah, uh, well, California drivers are are known mm. for not being great drivers either. Um, yeah, it's not your responsibility if somebody else is triggered by something, or if that upsets them. It's not your responsibility, right? They have their own childhood, adult trauma shadow, unconscious bias. They have all these other things that they're dealing with that are, that are no part of you. Um, so we should never take on their their triggers. That's on them to fix. We're all fixing our own stuff. Everybody else should be accountable to that too.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the fact that you have been practicing, you know, your gift and utilizing your gift fairly, you know, recently, like we're like yeah, less, yeah. Maybe less than five years at this point. Oh Yeah. What have been some of the lessons that you have learned in your time communicating with spirits that don't have bodies or however you want to kind of denote that type of energy signature? Um, And and how has the lessons that you've learned shifted and changed
1: how you show up as a human being, knowing what you know from that? Absolutely. My biggest thing, number one, is boundaries. Mm. Not so what I, I was
0: going to expect.
1: <clears throat> no, it's boundaries. Um, if you do not set boundary with spirit, they'll just come at you. They think you're an open door and they will come at you. So when I have an intru, I call it like an intrusion of spirit it happens in my chest. I get My chest gets very, very heavy. I have difficulty breathing um, and it feels like a panic attack is coming. And this is something I discovered during covid in 2020, which was also traumatic for me because I'm like, do I have COVID? I can't breathe. What's happening? Uh, no, Tracy, you've been locked in your house for six months and you haven't seen a soul besides your kids and your husband, you don't have COVID, but that's where it started for me. And if I don't set boundaries with my, my spirit team, they'll come at me and they'll be like, Oh, I'll be driving. And they'll be like, Oh, there's a person next to you. And they want, they, I need to talk to them. Or I'm like in the grocery store. And I hear, I have all this anxiety comes in my chest and I get this ringing in my ear. So learning how to say I am a human being who has to function in this human world. I can't have, I can't be talking to spirit all the time. So setting that boundary with them every day and what my intention is, is that they're not allowed to just intrude when it's time to do a reading or when I call upon them, they come forward and share information. Uh, and I realized I could do that in my personal, my work life too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So if I don't want someone's energy in a work environment, I'm going to say, oh, you know what? Something came up. I have to reschedule Um, or I'm not going to attend an event with that person or that meeting or I'm not going to engage in a conversation with them. Um, I'm going to use one of my allies to do that instead, because sometimes that triggers me. Right. And also doing that at home and setting boundaries at home and saying, does this make sense for me? if I do this thing, what else am I sacrificing? Mm. And before I would just sacrifice myself to death, essentially. It's essentially how I developed an autoimmune disease is that I sacrificed myself to illness. And so I have learned that I have to set those boundaries at home. Otherwise, I'm going to continue to be sick. And what good am I going to be for my family if I'm just sick all the time? Um, So learning to say no to things or what makes sense or you're fully capable of doing that. I'm going to ask you to do that yourself Mm. sort of conversation. And I have a lot of those conversations now. So that's really been the biggest takeaway for me. If I can tell dead people to leave me alone, there's no reason I can't tell family members and work colleagues to leave me alone. Yeah. That is like a really
0: interesting and powerful takeaway. Um, You know, the, The one thing that I will say has been a huge takeaway for me since being in connection with you and the things that you share um, very much are the things that we are preoccupied and concerned with as Mm. humans very often don't carry on after we're not in the body anymore. And that was like a really big revelation for me. And it really has affected the way that I have interacted with myself, my loved ones, my life, my work, um, yeah.
1: especially since, you know, very suddenly losing my father. Yeah. Yeah. It it's true. Um, you know, the things that we care about when we cross over, we pass away, all they care, all they care about is their family safety of their family. That's it. The, the arguments that families had or the rifts or, you know, those don't exist anymore. Um, I don't, you know, as part of, I'm just going to share, and you know, if you want to or not, but when we did your reading and your grandfather came through and your grandfather came through with your dad and it was like, no, 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 they don't talk to each other. I'm like, ah, uh, they do now. Um, those things that really caused a lot of trauma and conflict in our physical lives of among family do not exist when we pass over. So it's perspective, right? If you are not talking to someone in your family, for silly reasons. Now, I'm all about boundary setting. If you need mm. to divorce a obviously, family member, obviously that was take
0: away not
1: from the dead people. So, divorce the family member if you need to. But the things that we argue over that are really silly do not exist as we cross over. And you will see people come together when they cross over that you would have never imagined before, but they love each other. And that's all that matters is sharing and spreading love and protecting their physical families here on earth. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's where I think, you know, in terms of, going back to what you were saying about it, anticipating, you know, the positive, I forget how you worded it, but in the therapy world, we call that unconditional positive regard. Like we're mm-hmm. always going to expect the best of intentions. Um, and, you know, because otherwise if we're sitting there and we're like assuming the worst of our clients, like they're not going to have a good time. We're not going to have a good time. No, it's going to be good at, you know, their job they're yeah. doing that type of a thing. And I realized that, you know, When we come from a place of love, obviously love for self first, which kind of ties in the boundary piece,
1: um,
0: we're able to operate very differently when we're assuming the best of other people. And also really looking at people for what they are and are not capable of in their lived experience here as a human being. Yes, And this has alleviated so much just strife for me. Um, because I'm like, if I can do this in a therapy session, like why then can I not do this in other aspects of my life? It doesn't mean that like, you know, I'm not boundary. It doesn't mean that I let people walk all over me. But what it does mean is that I'm much more open to receiving what somebody is capable of giving, knowing me, knowing that that is the best that they can do, knowing that they're 100% might be my 60%, but it's still yes. 100% for them and for receiving them. it as their 100% and being able to live in that space that was my eyes were open to after I started hearing a little bit more about the
1: messages and the things that you've learned in the work that you do. Yeah, um, and I I completely agree and feel this. I think a lot of times, especially my family, will often feel like I'm defending someone when really I'm just saying it's probably different for them than it is for you um, and that you can't assume they're going to do it the same way that you do it. And that's really been part of this sort of spiritual journey for me. I call it my spiritual glow up, um, is that really understanding people show up in different ways and their own experiences makes them show up at your 60%. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. That's how they know how to show up based on their own experiences. And we can't, we shouldn't be upset about that. And I'll tell you, I, I still struggle myself sometimes, like, I live in Orange County, California, and I don't, it's probably very stereotypical to like the things you hear about Orange County, you know, like the housewives of Orange County. And I don't really look like an Orange County housewife. Um, and sometimes I'll see women, I'm like, oh my gosh, like their figure or like, they're so beautiful or whatever. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I talk to dead people. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, so like, I still struggle with that you know, like, even though they may look great, they're struggling with their own thing. And I'm special too, you know, so it's okay that I don't look like sort of this prototype. I have my own gifts as well as, as we all do. But I think it's okay to say, I see this person exterior. And I think I know about them, but I don't know about them. So I shouldn't make any assumptions about that. And that it's okay if I feel, you know, I don't want to call it jealousy, but if I feel some sort of, um, you know, that I'm not good enough. It's okay. Cause there's things about me that are special for me that maybe they don't have, or maybe they do have. And that's what makes us even more special is that we share it together.
0: Mm, yeah. I think that that is also a really important takeaway in terms of being able to communicate with the us that exists beyond the physical body. Right. Because it, as much as this matters, right. It, It ultimately doesn't really matter. Um, And that is something that you're both aware of and also have to kind of not be hyper aware of. So you can still like do the human thing and like care about paying your bills and not like, you know, can, you know, get involved in complete anarchy because it's like, you know, what does it matter anyway? (sighs) I experienced that a lot after losing my dad so suddenly I'm like okay so we can all just like go to bed and then like not wake up the next Yeah. Day. what is the fucking point of what's any the point of this? yeah um, I'm like I'm working really hard I have a savings account I want to take everything out of that savings account right now and I want to like go on a trip I want to buy stuff. like I can't you can't take it with you right yeah. um so it's very interesting because there's so many pieces of this that I find you you do well in terms of balancing things out because I don't find you to be like, it's not like when I talk to you, I'm like, oh yeah, Trace is definitely one of those mediums, you know, <laughs> like you're not showing yeah. up and you're like, Amber, I have to consult my crystals before I can interact with your energy. yeah I'm sorry, I can't do this podcast. Like, and, and you know, and there is something we said for checking in with energy and stuff like that, but you bring a very grounded Human piece to what it means to also be in connection with spirit and spirituality, yeah. and I think that that's important because it's hard to balance both. I I know that like some days I literally feel like I can like see the matrix, like I can like literally, oh my god, like see it, and then I'm like, I'm supposed to know that this exists, and then like play along, anyway, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like how how do I do that? Um, and so that's where. It's good to have examples, right? Because I feel like a lot of people are afraid to embrace, you know, their gift or afraid to embrace being a little bit more spiritual because they know it's going to create a certain level of discomfort while they're balancing out this whole human experience. But with the knowledge that we are infinite, spiritual, energetic mm-hmm. beings,
1: just kind of like having a moment in time. Yeah. and. Uh, I definitely experienced this going through my spiritual glow up. I was like, well, fuck it. This place sucks. What's the point? I'm out of here. But here's what I think is that collectively as a society, we have made an assumption that earth as it stands today is what it should be. Mm. And if we don't have our own spiritual glow ups, it's just going to keep doing that thing. Right. I imagine earth as something far greater than it is today. And if we each step into our soul purpose and become comfortable with ourselves and accept the things about ourselves, earth looks drastically different. It potentially looks like what it should be instead of what it is today. And as much as we want to play the game and still, I still have to pay my bills. um, I know that, and I have to play the game, but I also have the opportunity to elevate other people. So that we can eventually all stop playing the game right so if we each teach one person and that person teaches somebody else eventually we don't have to keep playing in this sandbox that is earth right now it looks very different Um, so that's sort of kind of my perspective because i know it could look different it doesn't have to look like this today we've just gotten so far away from understanding ourselves that it's shifted and we've become this very different society and planet uh, and we can take it back to what it needs to be if we just kind of step into that and be comfortable and each of us sows a seed, right? One seed and then it multiplies. Um, so that's sort of how I've had, I've rationalized, you could say, living in this meat suit on earth and still having to make a house payment and that sort of thing. Like, yeah, I'll play the game, but I'm going to also work really hard to make changes where I can. hmm
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, to kind of continue with that game analogy, we don't really get to the next level unless like we all get to the next level and mm-hmm. the best way to do that is through just helping you know one other person and yeah you know them helping one other person and i know a lot of people who are very conscious and in tune find it very painful to live here because yeah. they are so <laughs> sensitive and so they fixate on all of the parts that are very far away from people who are close to leveling up um, is kind of the best way that I can put that. And when you hyper fixate on it, that's kind of when you end up giving energy to the things that aren't working instead of looking at, you know, again, that unconditional positive regard or believing in the best in people and yeah. placing your energy there so that you're more willing and more likely to offer the healing that is within you to offer. Because to your point, we all have something here to offer each other, even if it's just love. That's it. Yeah. Um, that in and of itself is very, very powerful. And knowing that we can see that and then still do the healing work anyway, still help the people anyway, still have these conversations anyway, um, and know that there's something greater at play. And I think that's, again, to go very, very, very back to the beginning of this episode where it really comes into the
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I think there are a lot of people who... Um, you know, who don't feel like they can be successful in this world. And we ultimately lose them. And we lose a lot of people to suicide because of that, because they really struggle with that. Um, and it's, it's, that's difficult, but it, there is a place for everyone. There is a place for them. And part of me being here is having faith. Like you have, you if you're going to come to a reading, you have to believe and have faith or assume that I am actually talking to dead people and not scamming you. Right. right um, yeah. So there's a piece of faith, and I think that there's a there is a way to reconcile your religious faith as well with your uh, sort of uh, non-traditional religious spirituality. Um, and for me, I've been able to do that. And you can call it again. You can rationalize. You can say I'm putting in a box or compartmentalizing or whatever. But you know, uh, my me being Catholic and I was always told to pray to saints who performed miracles. Um, Why is that any different than what I'm doing right now? You know, I'm essentially performing a miracle by talking to somebody who's not there. Um, And so much of the Catholic religion and Christianity rooted in paganism. Right. And a lot of the um, things that we do are very paganistic and that came from somewhere else. Right. So we're just, it's, it, for me, I can say, Oh, I understand that. Right. I have having a Christmas tree and decorating a Christmas tree is a pagan tradition. Um, the Easter bunny is a pagan tradition. Um, and so kind of understanding that and a part of that is just learning. Right. So that's part of me understanding as well Is like, how do, how do these things work for me? And it's been an education experience as well. And knowing that you can fit into this world because it's all, we're all, it's all connected somehow. And for people that feel like they have a really difficult time living in this world, I completely get it. Um, But there is a way to sort of, um, you know, link those two things together Mm -hmm. through history. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And so, you know, I know that there's we're probably going to have to have you on for for part two. I've been saying that for like a lot of my guests uh, lately, because now I'm like, I want to have a whole conversation with you now about spirituality and religion and paganism mm-hmm. and peeling back the layers and yeah. your own understanding of contracts that were given to you. It's like I'm like the rabbit hole, Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, to be respectful of, of your time, I, I really would love if you could speak directly to the person who maybe feels like they have a gift or just a calling or maybe a little tug on their sleeve to go about their life in a different way what would you say to them what do you kind of maybe wish you would be able to say to that you know not that much younger version of yourself when you were at the very beginning of this wondering like where the heck do I go from here yeah
1: I can guarantee you 100% that there is somebody else out there like you 100% because we all have gifts and we express our gifts differently, but we all have gifts. There's plenty of other people that are mediums, right? There is someone else out there. And with the advent of social media, it allows us to be connected in ways we could have never, ever been connected before. You and I would not be doing this today if it wasn't for social media, right? Uh, And so use it as a tool for success rather than something that makes you feel less than about yourself. Because if you connect yourself with the right people, you will find a community Mm. of people just like you. And I have been so fortunate to find that community. It exists for everybody, absolutely exists for everybody. So using that as a tool to um, be successful and start to feel comfortable with yourself rather than comparing to other things. Um, so I think that would probably be my biggest piece of advice. There is someone out there just like you and that you can find that person. Yeah.
0: And again, it really does go back to intention because even with, you know, the utilizing of social media, like part of the reason I'm a little, more than a little bit obsessed with, you know, my 30 minutes of TikTok that I get every day is because I really like algorithm. My like algorithm is teaching me things. I am connecting with people. I am learning stuff like my, you know, just worldview is expanded. It's not just a mirror for me to kind of like have this echo chamber. I really do feel like it's a very expansive thing for me. Um, And, uh, you know, I actually leave those 30 minutes not feeling like, oh, my gosh, like I need to get plastic surgery or like what what was that skinny tea that I was just given an ad for? Like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go make my own tea is what I'm going to do right now. Cause I just learned from some herbal lady that I actually got like five different spices in my spice cabinet that I can use to make an anti inflammatory tea right here, right now. That's empowering. Um, So again, it's really all about like how you choose to interact with social media, with people with your workplace, Mm -hmm. you have choice and you get to bring and make your own intention when it comes to these things. So you take nothing else away from this episode. I hope that that is something that resonates and something that you can sit with. And so if people want more of you, Teresa, where can they find you? How can they connect with you? If somebody's like, yo, this lady talks to dead people, I want some. How do they get at that too?
1: I love it. Uh, Yes. So I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. It's I am Teresa Barnea. So it's my full name. I am my full name, no underscore anything. um, All smushed together. Um, That's probably the best way I have most of my content there. I love watching TikTok, but I am not great at posting on TikTok. So uh, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I like everybody else's hard work on TikTok. Um, And then within my Instagram, I have links for um, my website and readings. And then uh, hopefully by the time this airs, I will have uh, a course for um, mediumship and helping other people develop their mediumship skills. And um, so if you're interested in working with me, I would definitely suggest going to my website or my Instagram page and checking out all the links. So, um, and then I've got some stuff cooking for next year that I'm going to work on about um, stepping into intuitive business leadership and how you um, practice intuitive leadership and how, and sort of like just a a retreat type of course to be able to do that for business leaders. well,
0: you let me know when you're ready to come on and talk about because yeah. I would love to, that sounds very, like a very juicy topic. Yes. Yeah, thank well. you. And we will definitely have all of this linked in our show notes for all of you. So you make sure that you have the right links, the right Instagram handles, all of those different things. Teresa, I so appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on and for being willing to open up and talk about all of these different things. And like I said, we will definitely not be having just one episode with you. Love I it. look forward to be able to having many more conversations in the future. Thank you, Amber. such a pleasure. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit. Leave a review to let others know about the show. And subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.